Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. As the destruction of haunted locations continue to rise, another frightening statistic also grows. Ghost homelessness. With no place to haunt, what becomes of these specters turned out of their dominion? You can help your local spirit shelters by adopting a ghost for your home today. Remember, ghosts are people too. Don't let them be overlooked. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, constant readers. I apologize for my laryngitis voice. Oh, poor Ben. (laughs) Good thing there's not a lot to talk about in this episode, because (laughs) today we are covering the end of The Shining, the Patreon selection Uh, from Aiden White. We'll see if my voice lasts for three hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we have CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. This is not going to be a long episode. <laughs> I'm going to run a tight ship. We're going to be an hour. And listeners, take your bets right now. <laughs> we have the over-under. Will, will I have made my <laughs> promise. <laughs> you know, they can look at the just the wrong <laughs> They already time. know. Yeah. I know. That's an easy bet to make. Benefit of being from the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last episode, we had a lot of action. Jack was becoming increasingly unraveled. Danny was assaulted by the woman in room 217. Wendy was thinking about a plan to get them out of there. And the Overlook is sabotaging them at every turn. We left things off with Danny shining as hard as he can for Dick. And it is 4.30 on December 1st. And we pick back up with Dick coming. <laughs> oh, <Fantastic>. yes. CM <laughs> swinging for the fences right at the top. He is in Florida buying fruit at a market, and he's this is interesting. He's not thinking anything of the strong smell of oranges. <gasps> I loved it. That, that is a, a indication that he's going to shine. It's such a great <laughs> detail uh, that, like, it's now far enough removed from the last time we saw mm-hmm. Dick Halloran that you almost forget and when he says like it smelled like oranges and he didn't think anything about it you're like oh shit this is gonna come out of nowhere (laughs) also i want to say real quick a note of how much i like dick halloran and how much i like just his existence down in florida i think if this book if if the first 10 chapters or whatever leading up to meeting dick halloran were exactly the same but then when Dick leaves the hotel, the book follows Dick instead. <laughs> and we just get like 150 pages of Dick Halloran hanging out in Florida. And then this chapter happens. And from there to the end, it's exactly the same. Jeez. I think it would still be an unbelievably good book. That's an insane book and I would read it. So you want Stephen King to do the thing the Twilight Lady did. Where we get the story from the other perspective. Did the Twilight Lady do that? Yes. And the way you guys are looking at me, I suddenly hate that I know that. <laughs> no, I'm, no judgment. It's just well, my... I like the books. Uh, I hate the books. So. Twilight Lady. Oh, sorry. The, this whole time I've been like, 
Is there, is there a book you guys are referencing that uh, there's a Twilight uh, Lady? Stephanie <laughs> Meyer? Yes. Okay, so yeah. I couldn't remember her name. Sorry. Sure. The author the of Twilight, Twilight Book. Books. Yeah. So I just, yeah, Twilight Lady, sorry. My, my knowledge of the Twilight <laughs> books, I didn't know there was a long we, section where they just leave all the main characters. We get the exact same story, but from Edward's perspective. Oh, that sounds less good than the book I just did. <laughs> That's true. Oh, okay, we got to get back back on the road with Dick and... Man, I was just trying to segue back into the story because <laughs> it goes from him at the supermarket buying supplies for the hotel he works at during the winter months while he's not at the Overlook. And Danny's cry for help is going to hit him at the worst moment. What did you guys think of this scene? The uh, being blindsided while you're driving uh, is one of the scariest things in the world. Now imagine... It's because there's a child screaming in your head. <laughs> Makes it even more terrifying. So how every parent feels driving. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he describes the power that this this shine hits him with as equivalent to being shot in the head with a 45 really sells how fucking hard this blast hits him. He almost hits another car, scares some racist guy to death. Big loss there. <laughs> Fucking drives me crazy. The, I know. Why does Stephen King need to take three lines, a paragraph, to be like, hey, here's a reminder. People, people are, are racist. still racist yeah. in it, a book that does not say anything about race. And if it seems like we're nitpicking at that, try being out in the world and listening to Audible during this or other oh, scenes. Oh, no. I just... <laughs> It, it just I it hit me reading this that it just comes out of nowhere. And it's yeah. like, why the fuck? Maybe it's if it's if I'm in the wrong and it's not my place to complain, uh, so be it. But like it sucks. This does lead Dick to realize that he needs to get to Colorado as soon as he can. So he comes up with one of those my grandma died suddenly stories. What did you guys think of how Dick got out of work? I, he fakes a Western Union <laughs> yes. to say that he got a message from his ex-wife that his son is in the hospital because her trucker boyfriend shot their son and he's in critical condition. He doesn't have any of those things. No, he certainly <laughs> does not. Uh, I just love the that he faked a Western Union to... Like, look, I, I gotta do this. Yeah, it's blank, and he just holds it up, yeah. knowing that his boss isn't gonna be like, let me read that, because who would? <laughs> right. That was, a, that was a fun moment. It was a, a great excuse to get the hell out as soon as possible, not have to answer a lot of questions, mm -hmm. just get moving. The only other thing I wanted to remark on is when he's Dick is reflecting on his life. After having just coincidentally made a will, a living will and testament recently, and he's like, oh no, I hope this isn't related Oh, to that. When he's like <laughs> rushing into his house and he's like, all he's thinking about is like, of course I'm going to Danny. Of course this this mm -hmm. kid needs my help. And then he rushes into his door and like what knocks mail, uh, like a pile of papers yeah. on the floor. And he looks down and sees Will and Testament written up at him. And it's like, oh, this is what this is. He, he pretty much immediately accepts, oh, I don't think I'm coming back from this. Sam, did you think he was coming back from this? I wasn't sure because the, I, I know in the movie he gets, you know, instantly. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, so I was hoping he would, but I was cautious. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that Dick gets a kind of a human moment. He's doing this very heroic thing, going to rescue Danny. But I do like that he adds that he knows he has to, but he does 
feel a twinge of resentment because he's this is a lot to ask. That's, uh, he's know. reflecting on he's had a good life. Yeah. Like, so is, is he willing to give that up for mm-hmm. these three strangers? Right. And one of the examples he gives to illustrate that he has a good life is that when he wanted fuck, he could <laughs> find a friendly <laughs> one. <laughs> I was like, See, has anybody ever well, described it that you, way? Are you kidding me? You don't want to <laughs> read The Shining Dick Summer Edition? <laughs> That the, book is going to be oh, so good. That book, yeah. The, I'm, I'm really on board with this, Ben. The Shining Dick's Summer. <laughs> <laughs> coming soon to no, AO3. Not coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am sorry, guys. I'll stop making dick jokes. <laughs> Never. Over <laughs> under? Over under, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he decides that, yes, he is going, he's willing to risk his life specifically for Danny because. Sharing the shine with somebody is a a very unique and intimate experience. So they know each other a way that two other people cannot know each other without having had that experience together. And I, oh, sorry, I just want to mention that because I never thought about how that would change two people, like how they relate to mm-hmm. one another. And uh, I loved that insight. What were you going to say, Ben? Uh, I was going to say the other thing about this that was interesting. His other. Um, it's another motive that he has that we have read before that he thinks that this kid Danny is in danger. And if he doesn't do anything, he's going to die inside of his head. Oh, (gasps) yeah. Such a horrible, awful thought that if he is just scared and he's shining this hard screaming for him, you know that if something bad were to happen, it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's horrifying. We saw the effect that had on Sue Snell. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, someone who didn't shine. Yes. Uh, a, I mean, assume. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, still had someone die in her head. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. If Sue shined, she'd probably not have lived through that. Man, you guys. Sorry, I'm just thinking like. It's weirdly kind of a romantic notion that someone would die inside your head. It, it, what? Yeah. No, I'm with you. Okay. Oh, I think <laughs> that makes both of you sound insane. It's so it's so you're intimate. Wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. That is. That <laughs> it's is, super goth. I'm, and I'm <laughs> backing out of the room right now. <laughs> it's just sorry. It's <laughs> I I did not know I uh, was podcasting with two people. That uh, craved the feeling of death. (laughs) (laughs) Only in my mind. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just uh, gonna get my keys and my coat. Let me let me uh, renew your faith in me. Next, we're gonna find out that Ullman actually had a good reason for firing that maid. (laughs) (laughs) God. What did he? Actually, well, yeah, we uh, Dick is reflecting on what he saw in room 217. And we were kind of, Ben, I think you and I were defending Allman a little bit. It was presented to us as this lady got scared and he fired her. But we find out she had a little bit of shine. And she she did get scared, but she wasn't just, he didn't fire her because she acknowledged something happened. Mm-hmm. She was telling guests. And because she had the shine, she did the best thing to do at a job ever, I fully support her. <laughs> she would like fuck off until she knew he was coming. And I looked like she was working. It's like, hell yeah, you do that. Yeah, I would no, absolutely that is, do that. That is, <laughs> if I had any kind of superpower, that is the level of stuff I would do with it. 
We also get another description of Mrs. Massey, the woman in room 217, from Dick. And it never gets old or less creepy each time we get a moment from this lady. Do you guys want to talk about when the detail that we get from him when he takes the pass key after the maid comes to him scared? Yeah, I the the attic part was the part that got me the worst. Yeah. Not a huge fan of the dark. Just that that feeling of being lost. Very, very fucking scary to me. Very House of Leaves uh, did not like. In a place where he's... So he tells us first about seeing the woman in room 217. He talks more about the hedge animals, some other spooky things, and then talks about being in the attic in the dark, stumbling, trying to find his way out and getting lost. I'd also completely forgotten there was an attic, and it's such a smart way to remind you as we go into this final act that there is an attic. We also find out that sometimes guests who have stayed in the presidential suite, and either even other guests, have checked out abruptly, which I just think is cool. We're going to find a lot more about the hotel, like from the town, too, that just it's not so secret what's been going on here. Mm-hmm. Dick books a last minute flight, giving himself a, barely half an hour to get to the airport and board, and he almost makes it in time. Nine minutes. Nine minutes. And I mean, this is back when you could just show up and get on your plane. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if this happened, he would have missed it by an hour and nine minutes. He gets pulled over by a cop because he's speeding. And the cop is he just waits on this road for people rushing to the airport. So Dick knows like I can't. There's no story I can give him that will get him to let me go. And he misses his first flight. The cop. This is such a minor detail, but I just think it's funny that the cop is like written in this way that's supposed to be like, oh, he's this really clever cop because he <laughs> he talks. He's like, you know, your story. Uh, I I never heard uh, the story. <laughs> Fuck, what does he say? <laughs> he, he's he's like, oh yeah, that's a great <laughs> story. Stops him in his tracks from telling the, the about yeah. his son. And he's like, the thing about the story that I can never get is. The, the driver's license. So you should give that to me. And it is so smug and yes. shitty. I do love just you get the idea of this cop loving doing this every single day. And it does crack me up a little bit. So we depart from Dick to a brooding Danny doing just being a very creepy kid. If I oh, came up yeah. on this, I would be horrified by Absolutely. my own child. Danny's constantly creepy when we find him. Uh, this something about this seems worse. So he do one of you want to talk about I agree that this he's I've never felt that Danny is a creepy kid throughout this. Right. It is. He is a creepy. He's a kid (laughs) that creepy stuff is happening to. Yes. Yes. But this he is. He's finally so like haunted. Mm -hmm. And like they say later on when things get really bad that. He survives it because he has been terrified for 30 days. Yeah, he's been scared he has been every living moment. Absolutely terrified for a month. And now it's all just become so much because he's fucking three or whatever. He's five. Doesn't what? it matter that he's five, Ben? He's five. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's taken it out of him. And the way he answers Wendy's questions is very unnerving. You can just tell it seems like he's given up and Wendy is trying to figure out what's going on. If Tony has a message for them, what they need to do. And Danny tells her that the hotel is full of ghosts and he thought it was all his fault. 
he's the key, but it's not just him, it's Jack and Wendy too, because it wants them all. And Wendy brings up the snowmobile and she's like, hey, we have a chance to get out of here. And Danny tells her the bad news. And it's so matter of fact, it feels like. He's like, yeah, they made him throw this thing away. Also, he he knows about the woman and the topiaries. He's known all of this. Daddy just never told us. That's enough for Wendy to get a butcher knife and wrap it in a dish towel, lock the bedroom well, door. That, that the What seals the deal on that is when she's like, is he going to hurt us? And Danny says, they'll make him try. Oh, yeah, let's get some some weapons between that. And when she first walks up to him and he has a bruise because he had just passed out off of the chair in the ballroom, in the ballroom, sexy, sexy clock. Exactly. (laughs) So he has this bruise on his face and immediately she thinks Jack hit him. Yeah. And when she asks what happened, his immediate really immediate response is. I fell, daddy didn't hit me. Not yet. Mm. Or not today. Yeah, not today. And it's with us knowing that the (laughs) clock ticked over to December 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Yeah, we know it's coming. We're going to visit with Jack for a time. He forgets about the boiler for a little bit, despite standing pretty much right next to it. (laughs) He's so absorbed in the basement files, but he does rush to dump it when... He has an interesting thought, and and I kept, as these things happen, I'm like, oh, is this our last Jack moment? Like, Jack mm-hmm. having any human side or, or ability to be rational or, or feel love. He thinks to himself, let it blow, get Wendy and Danny, and get out. And she- then and then he remembers something from his childhood. He remembers, we're coming back to wasps, his dad teaching mm-hmm. him how to burn a wasp's nest. Remember earlier when we were like, when Dan, he's like, well, my dad let me have one. And so uh-huh. you should have one. And now like getting to see that moment feels gross. It's like the dad and the wasp thing is sort of, it's almost like a, uh, it makes me think of Battlestar Galactica when the silence are activated. It's almost <laughs> like a switch because it's sort of that, that moment thinking about his dad just brings Jack away from this moment of truth where he can take his family and he can get out. So instead of holding on to the good thought, he decides that letting the overlook burn like the wasp's nest, which, oh my God, you guys. So this is where I was like, oh, I get it. The overlook (laughs) is the nest. And that's why you guys call the wasps ghosts in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he decides (laughs) (laughs) that that would just be one more Jack failure can't have that, so he dumps it. At 220, which we established that like 180 was pushing it. Mm-hmm. And he it was what he'd been standing down there for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Like it's madness <sighs> that it got that close. It's after he dumps it though that we've talked a lot about these like points of no return. Mm-hmm. And the moment he dumps the boiler and he I believe the, the phrasing is he's served the overlook. And now it's time for the Overlook to serve him. And you know exactly uh, what he means. I, I feel like we're all trying to look for moments in Jack. Like, is there something salvageable there? Is he really a good guy inside? Oh, no. I've, I've <laughs> given up on that halfway through the book. <laughs> he he is long past the point. 
in the basement that moment. You're right. I mean, this is the point of no return because he mm-hmm. has this thought, I should blow this place up. Mm-hmm. This place should be destroyed. But that once he thinks the ultimate failure would be me letting my family who I'm responsible for because he is still thinking about his responsibilities. Mm-hmm. He's still like ranting about his how he's responsible for his family and they're fucking it up by not doing what he knows is best for him because he's the yeah. <laughs> whatever. And taking that and saying, you know, my responsibility to the hotel mm-hmm. is greater than that is like the ultimate like I don't know. Uh, it fuck Jack Torrance. Yeah. He's a hot take, a real bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, don't worry. We're going to talk a lot more about that in a little bit here. Danny wakes up from a vision slash nightmare that the Overlook is on fire, and he and Wendy are out front watching it burn when Jack bursts out of the doors, also on fire. And Danny senses that this this moment that he just experienced was a barely averted disaster. And so he lets his mind drift out to Jack. And guess what Jack's thinking about? The bad stuff. Yeah, but he's not alone in his head. Danny hears a voice, but it says not his father's, but a familiar one. It's it's because it's his father's voice, but it's not his father's yeah, voice. Yeah, Danny has not figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows that his dad is in trouble. He knows that his dad is dangerous. But he has still he is still either in denial or just is a little kid and has not put two and two together, even though we all know, (laughs) obviously. And this is I I love that line that this unfamiliar voice. He's heard it before. Mm -hmm. It's a really subtle uh, way of like letting us confirming for us. Yeah. Yeah, like when we talked about him trying to read his dad's mind earlier and he'd catch him looking at him. Mm-hmm. Like now we see how how much stronger the the hotel uh, has its grips in. Yeah. And you know what? When things are going bad, sometimes people tend to do the same couple of things to try to make the situation better. Like mm. for relationships falling apart, sometimes people get married or have a baby. They do something to fix it. You know, they think this is going to really bring us back together. Mm. And the Torrances decide to get a puppy. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Fun fact, Anthony and I are really detective Fishboat on Twitch who made our Twitch intro. I said, I didn't want anything from the Shining movie. Uh, in our intro, and he's like, I just want one thing. The dog's sucking that guy's dick. (laughs) And I was like, fine, if it's funny. And it is funny, because he put a little (laughs) zoom-in thing on it. Uh, Because I was like, I I hate it, because it's not in the book. And then I sent him a message today, and I said, "All right, I lied to you. There is a dick-sucking dog in the book. Yeah. We're going to find out it's Roger later, but... It's such an iconic moment in the movie and when we talk about the movie it'll be addressed (laughs) but it's such uh it's iconic because of the brevity and the complete unexplained what the hell it's a commitment to fucking crazy that king does (laughs) in this scene do one of you just want to in your own words yeah what what i'm what i'm saying is is it's crazy because of the library but this character in the book Mm -hmm. it's also pretty brief but it is a fascinating Mm -hmm. b 
a massive tragedy. Like, uh, it, it is a huge bummer of a character. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's one of the most fascinating parts of the book. So Danny comes out of the... They're suites, like, yeah, in the hallway. Sweet, and is immediately confronted by a man on all fours dressed as a dog who assaults him. Oh, he's, his face is covered in blood. Yeah. And says some real unpleasant things. Some real dark shit. That yeah. I'm not gonna... Mm, and Danny r- runs away. But late, can we just talk about this character right now? Go for because it. Because we find out later that his name is... Roger. R- Roger. And he is the... Mistress? Sex toy <laughs> of the very su- emotionally sadistic... Yeah. What's his face? Horace Derwent. The guy that owned or ran the hotel yeah. or whatever. Jack is later on, once the hotel is alive, is watching this guy just like torture this guy dressed as yeah, a dog. Just base himself in front debate, of everybody. Exactly. Humiliating this man. And a random ghost woman in the crowd says, oh, yeah, it's because Horace is ACDC. And uh, he doesn't really care for him. But, oh, he's so silly, he will humiliate himself. And I believe it's at some point, it, don't we know that Roger killed himself in the hotel? Yes. Am I imagining no, that part? I'm no. pretty sure. It's it's a whole story. It is not told completely, but it is told so succinctly just in the background and i i find their whole dynamic very sad it's, and it's tragic very very interesting and in this moment extremely scary very it also informs the horace derwent's character that mm-hmm. part of that the the woman who tells him that is his date yeah. <laughs> and uh when she tells jack and she basically says that horace doesn't go back for seconds yeah. And this person is so obsessed that he horse is going to put him through this and still not give him anything, anything he wants. It is like you it's so it's so much about the power and control with the Horace. hotel is cruel. Yes, it, it's if Horace is especially cruel. Well, this moment's important because so Danny retreats from this, obviously, and he realizes that whatever the hotel was when they got there, it's something more now. And all of the things here can actually hurt him and they don't want him to get to Jack. That's why Roger is out there. He's blocking his path. But sooner or later, Jack is going to come to him and Danny starts to cry when he's hit with another vision. Is this Jack's dad? I see. I keep I feel like there's a lot more of Jack's dad in this, but maybe I'm just inferring it. No, he he hears a voice that he doesn't exactly recognize Mm -hmm. that calls him a pup. Right. And he's dressed in all white with a prehistoric cane is how he describes him. Those are all markers of Jack Torrance's father. <laughs> well, well, it says all in white with a club raised over his head and screaming Danny didn't know father. that Danny didn't know that his dad was an orderly. Right. Or that, that Jack I guess, yeah, was that an orderly. makes yeah. sense. Because yeah. I, I hadn't, because I just assumed it was Jack with the the hotel mallet turning Jack into his own yeah. father, I think. But it also shows like the the hotel is so powerful now and it has such a hold on Jack that it is pulling something from mm. it, it is pulling mm-hmm. something from Jack that it can use. Yeah. Like that's how strong Danny's presence has made this. Now imagine it 
there's so many horrible implications of what happens if the Overlook were to get Danny. And just imagine a haunted Hmm. hotel that could pull anything out of any of its guests to horrify them. And just use it on anybody. We are going to check back in with Dick, who managed to get a flight after haunting the airport staff all night before (laughs) realizing, hey, maybe there's something else I can do in the meantime that would be useful. So he tries to, he calls the National Park Authority to get some help out to the Overlook. Great idea. Such a good try. But the, the problem is he can't prove it. He can't say how he in Florida knows this information because an operator, like, mm-hmm. that's the other thing about the, the period of time. He has to have operators connect them so they right. know the call's coming from Florida. I'm sure they've gotten prank calls and crazy people before. But I do like that this book took the extra step and he's like, yeah, it's. I'm sorry that you think this is what's happening, but I don't have, even if I could, mm-hmm. I don't have anybody to spare these idiots decided to go climbing on this super dangerous mountain despite the time of year, and everybody's out looking for that. I like that, too, because it wasn't cheap. It wasn't just yeah. like, oh, this guy's being a dick. He can't right. just go check it out. They are dealing with real emergencies. Also, I want that short story, the survivors on that mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack can feel the Overlook coming to life in what is a very cool description. He's like all times are happening all at once. He's seeing the nuns that they saw when they checked in a few months ago. He's seeing people in different eras of clothing, all like moving about the hotel at the same time. My favorite description is he says it's like a 3D movie when you watch it without the glasses. It's images layered on top of each other. When you put on the glasses, it all makes sense. And that (laughs) is so cool. Mm-hmm. That he his his madness is the 3D glasses that allow <laughs> him to see all of these different eras. He makes his way to the ballroom to get some drinks from Lloyd. Oh my god! So this happy scene, about this. Yes, this it's not just Lloyd waiting for him. Lloyd is such a fun bartender too. I'm sorry. I He's love the reading, reading their their interactions. It's so perfect. This book is amazing <laughs> because of that first scene with Lloyd where we were crystal clear there was no other person in this conversation mm-hmm. and then now to get that same interaction in this written style that is a back and forth conversation so Awesome. The one of the coolest uses of quotation marks in (laughs) in fucking literature. It's amazing. So Lloyd is looking a little bit corpsey and he's he's telling Jack that the manager is very interested in Danny, and Jack gets all Wendy's mom about it. I (laughs) that is weirdly sounds like you're siding with the shine with the hotel on this. Um the the corpsey look doesn't happen until after Jack says something about, like, what what does Danny have to do with any of this? It's all about me, right? <laughs> it's all about me. And then that's when he starts to corpsify. And, like, it scares him back into falling back in line. It also it's- scares him into taking his first drink. Because Ooh. that is the moment he takes his first drink. And mm-hmm. when he looks back up, Lloyd is fine. When Jack pushes back against Lloyd about the hotel wanting Danny, he gets like gushier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he starts to decompose even more right yeah. in front of him. He like sweats blood. Yeah, because he just looks kind of pale and corpse. And then he, yeah, he becomes a disgusting monster. So, yep, like you said, Ben, Jack puts a drink up to his mouth and 
he hesitates and everybody, the whole party comes to a complete stop. That shit's so amazing. The idea of holding this glass to his lips, and he does, he is, he reflects on the uh, hitting Danny. He reflects on the bike in the middle of the road. He reflects on just mm-hmm. all of these details that have brought him to where he is. And he just can't fight it back. Well, but that all those things happened before Jack could handle his liquor. Oh, is ah, what is yes. what he tells me. I completely me. forgot. That makes yeah. perfect absolutely. sense. You're absolutely it right. Me. It, because thinks, it's such a real like addict brain moment. Like mm-hmm. that's what gets people. They think, oh, I was out of control then. Now I can handle my liquor. Now I have I the can tools. drink again, or I can just drink socially. It'll be okay. No, mm-hmm. if you're an alcoholic, you can't drink. <laughs> so. He thinks, though, that he'd never hurt Danny again, not for the world, which we know how that's going to go. So all the foreshadowing in this book pays off horribly. <laughs> and this is, okay, this next part, this is why I don't dance, you guys. It's just all boners. Oh, <laughs> before we get to boner dress, <laughs> boner uh, dress, which is how she's described in my notes. As he starts this party, the book mentions it is 6 a.m., but time has been canceled. And I fucking love that, love that <laughs> love so that. much. Also, the level of drunk writing. Yeah. Jack's just drunken jackassery mm-hmm. is so real. The whole Martians thing yep. drives me crazy. <laughs> but that is absolutely something a just fucking drunk old dude at the bar would say. Yep. Yeah, it, he is in it. And this is a scene that we were talking about earlier with Roger and Jack's dancing with this woman mm-hmm. only wearing a dress and she's pressing herself against him. So he has a boner. It's very important to mention that. It's also important that she doesn't mind. He's he <laughs> expressly is like, she knows it's there. <laughs> and well, and that's it's Horace Derwin's girlfriend. So you also got to be very careful. Why isn't he talking to this guy? He's been obsessed with him. Seriously. It's a class thing. <gasps> so yeah. much of this this scene You're at right. this party is about class mm-hmm. because Jack is never addressed by any of the rich party folk. He talks to this random woman and Grady and, and Lloyd, the bartender, mm-hmm. the servants, the yeah. wow, well, collar he's, people. He's a, he's a member. He's he, a staff member. Exactly, because he is staff. And he is told by Grady that maybe one day, you know, once you join us, once you do what we want, maybe one day you'll move up the ranks. That's, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. This whole part with Grady is fascinating when Jack run in, runs into him because he's he he's commenting like, "Oh, you're the you're the caretaker, the previous caretaker." He's like, "No, I, I'm not." He's like, "Well, you're the one who killed your family." He's like, "No, man, my wife's in the kitchen. My two little girls are upstairs sleeping because it's late and they should be asleep." I don't have any recollection of killing them at all, actually. I've been here forever. Yeah. And you've always been. Yeah, you should know we got hired at the same time, after all. You know, the manager hired us. He's not talking about Ullman. (laughs) (laughs) And Grady goes on to tell him that Danny understands. He knows what I'm talking about, but he hasn't really enlightened you. And what a naughty thing to do. Seems like. You're going to have to correct that behavior. We get a lot of, let's yeah. talk about it, a lot the, of correcting. The the line of the manager knows that anybody who can't keep their own family in line just isn't management material. And like that's, that's Jack just wants to be important to this place. Yeah. Like this, Jack's life is 
failure after failure, even more so from his own perspective, mm -hmm. except for who caused it and his perspective is different. This is Jack's last chance to win. And I think that's why he clings it. I think that's why, why the, the overlook can, yeah. got its hooks into him so hard. Like this life of luxury, this status, uh, all of this is right here. Mm -hmm. No, it's always been about Jack's uh, ego, yeah. his pride. His pride yeah. I I just love Grady's explaining to him, like, I've, you know, you can go far here if you do what's right, if you correct your family. I had to correct my wife. I had to correct my my daughters quite severely. You know, they all wanted to leave and, and I took care of that well, problem. More than that, his daughters tried, tried to burn to the place down. Good for them. Oh, right? Poor, now I want to meet those poor little girls. They tried. Well, I, my, the version I am familiar with them, I have no sympathy at all because they're terrifying. <laughs> but this made me like, oh, they were just kids. So Jack, once again, he kind of pushes back and he's like, well, Maybe Wendy and Danny don't need to be here. I'm the one you guys want after all. I'm the one the manager wants. Can't they be allowed to leave? And Grady tells him, you know, Danny can really enrich the hotel. And he then warns Jack that Danny is trying to bring in an outside party. Can't allow that. Nope. So Jack's all bummed that the hotel isn't all about him. And Grady tempts him with a reward. So we learn here that the manager left the scrapbook for Jack. And there's more. And he can have all of it. And who knows, maybe someday he can be the manager. That's when he it's, dangles that it's in front of everything Jack wants. We talked about this before. This There's no telling what the mystery he's trying to solve is that he's been digging through all this paperwork. And now the idea that I could have access to all the information, mm -hmm. it's too much. Grady has one last message for Jack. He takes him to the clock that we saw with Danny in our last episode. And... The, okay, so this, it's not what Danny saw. It's not a sexy <laughs> clock, so that question Wild. is answered. Yeah, let's talk about what Jack sees, because it's not kissing peepees. It is. <laughs> God, if only it were. <laughs> what he sees is two figures, a man and a boy, and the man is wielding a mallet, and he picks it up over his head and strikes the little clockwork boy, and at first it Tings like a clockwork would, but as it begins to bleed and collapse, the sound becomes wet. Ugh. It's <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> and he's he keeps thinking like clockwork doesn't bleed, clockwork doesn't bleed, but then he watches the blood splattering the inside of the dome of this thing. Mm. It's brutal. And when he is finished watching, he turns to go and sees. No, no this is later. he turns back in the ballroom's empty. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. OK. I'm conflating <laughs> two different yeah. scenes. And then he makes his way back to the bar, which still has alcohol there, which is great. <laughs> and he climbs over the bar, falls asleep, he just passed out drunk after two and a half hours of drinking and partying. Lightweight. <laughs> well, when you party with ghosts, That's maybe true. it's different. Ghosts rage. <laughs> we're back with Dick, who is on a terrifying plane ride. We don't have to talk about this a lot because we're going to get more and more of Dick. But I would. <laughs> <laughs> that was an accident. Uh, uh, I, I just wanted. She to got a dick slip. I, <laughs> I just. I you that. slipped your dick. I'm sorry. The slip of the dick. Yeah. Okay. Now you're just <laughs> trying to come up with episode titles. That's not 
It's not going to work. Uh, this will be a dickless title. I just, I just wanted to uh, briefly mention my favorite. Uh, yeah. A uh, king char- side character. <laughs> the angry lady? Yeah, the angry lady on the plane who he this keeps is a like cute. looking. <laughs> She's a major character in. <laughs> in the Dick summer Sun- of Dick? Yeah, Dick Summer too. The sh- Dick uh, Shining Summer. I don't know what it was. Um. But she's just a lady sitting and reading a book. She shines for Dick, too. She does Uh, shine for Dick because she's just sitting there, like, tersely reading a book. (laughs) I love that. And she, at one point, like, makes a very, like, he says something about a plate in his head. And she makes a very stern, but also very reasonable uh, argument against the CIA and war in general. And I was like, fuck yeah, I love this well, lady. Like, your are you tone kidding is me? so angry, but your words are good. <laughs> yeah. I was instantly like, I, who is this? Bring her along. This lady Aww. rules. And in another time, yeah, because as Dick would have shined for her. Because, yeah. Because yeah. when he needs fuck, what was it? <laughs> when, he, when he wants to. When he wants, when he to wants fuck, fuck, yeah. When he wants yeah. Fuck. finds an amiable partner. Sure. Uh, anyway, as they're as, he's as they join leaving, the Mile High Club, <laughs> Jesus Christ! It, I said I want to briefly sorry, discuss I'm so this sorry character. That. I'm so sorry. Uh, did, she shines. They thank each she, other. She asks it's very him nice. to get a drink, and he's like, "Sorry, my business is urgent." But yeah, he can feel her wishing him well, and he wishes her well. He rents a car. He gets chains put on the tires. And he is making his way to Sidewinder. Dick's journey just to get to Sidewinder is extremely terrifying. If if any listeners live in areas where the winters don't turn Mm. into frozen hellscapes, it's really hard to imagine the anxiety, constant anxiety and exhaustion. I've never been in a situation like this, but I've been in bad enough snowstorm driving moments that that it is scary. I don't know how he does this. It is insane. But unfortunately for him and the Torrances, the most direct route to Sidewinder is blocked off and he has to go go an additional 20 miles out of his way. Fucking bad luck. It's still wild how fast he gets here, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, oh, he's not driving safely. He's, I mean, he's kind of, you know, right on that edge. We are back with Wendy and Danny and she's going to go down to the kitchen to make some food and smartly asks Danny if it's safe. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. Just be careful. They had spent... All morning listening to Jack party with ghosts. That's got to be fucking scary. Especially because, like, Wendy is fully aware, can't hear the other voices. And music. So she makes her way downstairs holding the knife. It's a very tense journey downstairs. And she reflects on something that made me infinitely sad for her. She thinks about how she's imagined the end of her marriage several times. Sometimes as divorce, Jack dying in a drunken accident, sometimes a dashing stranger rescuing her and Danny, sweeping them off to a better life. But she's never imagined that she might be the end out of necessity. It's a hard bridge to cross. Wendy is, I I cannot imagine. I I can't imagine how fucking strong she is in Mm -hmm. this moment uh, over the course of this 24 hours. Like she does and goes through the most horrific shit and like gets through it. It, It's so the, the like pragmatic way she Mm -hmm. thinks in these moments is so fucking scary because 
you know, it makes you think, okay, if I was in this situation, (laughs) could I think in the same way? Well, and I love that you said that because she's, it's not just Jack. It's not just what he is doing and what she's experiencing with him that is causing her to basically be ready to kill him if Mm -hmm. it comes to that. It's, it's all of the things she witnessed and has heard in the hotel. So she, I, I think that gives her a more definitive sense of, I don't really have a choice. We have to survive and I have to protect Danny no matter what. If it was just Jack, that would be one thing. But that's not all I'm that we're up against. And I just I love mm-hmm. that moment for her, although it's super sad. Oh, here, I just want to mention briefly, she when she heard Jack partying in the ballroom, she recognized his drunk talk, but she keeps thinking there's no alcohol here except the cooking sherry. She thinks about what she'd do if Jack suddenly attacked her, and she's like, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm soft. I've never been tried, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. She's been through a lot with her parents, and then with Jack for all of their marriage. She is not soft at all, and mm-hmm. I, I just hated that she's like, Oh, I've, so I've never been herself. tried. Like uh, that's uh, that's her baggage. Like Jack's yeah. baggage is this violence that infected him, mm-hmm. and her is that her mother tore her down, tore her self esteem to the point where she got in the situation. You know, didn't believe in her strength enough to leave when she mm-hmm. had the opportunity to. You know, yeah. it, it's really fucking hard check that timestamp, y'all <laughs> hey off no okay. uh very quickly mendy wendy's making breakfast very tense scene thinking jack or something else is gonna creep up behind her this whole time she's thinking about her responsibilities what do you guys think about this part because she's obviously her first thought about her responsibilities is to danny but then she's like well maybe i have a responsibility to jack too and like what am i going to do we have to live here with him possibly for months without anybody coming up to rescue us can i avoid him this that whole time like again she's telling herself like she did earlier i might need him i might have to be around him and interact with him can't can't lock us up in the bedroom for months she finds him passed out doesn't feel anger in fact she thinks he stopped drinking and it's not him who decided to start again. There wasn't even any liquor available for him to drink. She offers to help him to bed. She's being very kind. Mm-hmm. Reaches down to try to lift him. <laughs> and what happens? And he goes, gotcha! And grabs her by the ankle. And he was just playing possum. And he has so many hateful, horrible words for her before he oh, starts yeah. to choke From her. From this point to the end. Oh, yeah. Completely psychotic. Is... Yeah, it, everything happens so goddamn fast and so brutally. It's from this point to the end, try putting the bu- uh, the book down. Yeah. Like, yeah. For, real. <laughs> yes. for real. So he's choking her. She loses the knife. She's trying to stay conscious. And that's when Danny, oh, five-year-old Danny, Danny has that, to try to save his mom's life. It's so... It's so much responsibility for this kid. He and he does a very kid thing to do. He jumps on mm-hmm. Jack's back to try to fight him off, but he's this tiny kid, and Jack basically just grabs him and throws him. And luckily, Wendy didn't freeze like she was afraid she might. She mm-hmm. craps a wine bottle and just cracks him upside the back of the head and takes him down, knocks yep. him clean out. She realized during his nasty speech that he was going to kill them. And so she tells Danny that they have to deal with this. 
he is extremely upset and just wants to go to sleep. It's heartbreaking hearing him so like beg to go to sleep. Uh, the worst part is once they have him, well, we, we should say they take him and they lock him in the- They drag him to the pantry. The and pantry, lock him in, yeah. which has a huge steel bolt that once he wakes up and is bashing against the door, doesn't even budge. But later on, the 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 saddest part is Danny listening to his dad for hours. Mm -hmm. And the thing that breaks Danny and makes him cry is thinking, how will he go to the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Which is such a child, like mm -hmm. the way King writes Danny, I can't it's say great. enough, is yeah. unreal. Because he feels so so much like a real child. He thinks mm -hmm. the way a child would think. It's really, really sad yes. uh, in these circumstances. We got to talk about this thing that happens next because I, I want to dive into this and we only have five minutes. <laughs> it's a conversation that we've primarily, Josh and Ben, you two have had several times throughout our two episodes so far. Wendy is telling Danny after they lock him up, it's not Jack trying to hurt her. It's the hotel. It's gotten into him. The hotel gave him alcohol and made him drink it. The hotel is trying to hurt Jack as much as it's trying to hurt Wendy and Danny. That last sentence, yes, I agree with. <laughs> the The hotel is trying to hurt Jack. It's, it's like, okay, so from my perspective here, Wendy is basically, maybe being extreme, just based on the conversations we've had about it, absolving Jack of of his role in this because she's saying she's really reassuring Danny this is not your dad so mm -hmm. from Wendy's perspective this isn't Jack mm. did, did that like make I, you guys feel any different or what did you think of that I, I do like the idea that it is more uh, a protective it, it's not necessarily what they actually might think or believe it's what they need to believe in this so moment. That's how you took it. Yeah, it, it makes sense that Wendy and Danny, it would be easier in these circumstances to remove the person you know and love from the situation. It would be much easier on you, men just your mental strain, I think, to think this is not my dad, this is not my husband, this is a monster. Mm -hmm. You know, but us as readers, uh, I personally, me as a reader, I think that we are not supposed to absolve Jack of these crimes mm -hmm. like because it is sure it's it, it's the same argument as saying, well, is it really Jack doing this or is it his dad? Well, you know, OK, my question for you guys would be if Jack was the caretaker mm. in a different hotel. Like, obviously, he wouldn't get possessed. We wouldn't be having this stuff. What would their future be? Just knowing who Jack is and what he was already struggling with and dealing with and, and kind of having that insight to him, do you think that this family stays together and has a happy ending? Like he, uh, if he's still isolated, but there's no ghosts. That is a really, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think, I mean... Who could tell? No, I know. It's just. Uh, but I, yeah, no, it's an interesting question yeah. because. I have a theory. Yeah. I think that I'm going to say right off the bat, I don't think they'd be magically fixed by the end of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any stretch of the For imagination. Sure. But there are a few small examples that I could go back to and think, 
if this time alone in a not haunted place could still give Jack enough time to reflect that he could still get to some of these thoughts, Mm -hmm. I think things would be better. The main one, the main thought was, uh, I believe it was in the last section when he thinks maybe Stovington wasn't smothering me to death. How could anybody enjoy teaching if they were hungover for half their day? That's that thought. He's looking to the future yes. with that thought. That yeah. thought is the start of coming out of this situation with maybe a, the completed play. I think I believe he would have completed mm. the play by the course of this mm-hmm. this time taking care of the hotel. I think he would have talked to Al Shockley, gotten his job back, and would have put on his play. From how the family healed and moved on from there is anyone's guess. Mm-hmm. But I think... It, there would be a short-term, solid, happy ending. Yeah. But I, I think they still definitely would have had their struggles with all of Jack's other issues. Okay. No, I definitely don't want to say that the hotel played no part in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but I don't know. I'm just big on, like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry ghosts aren't a good enough reason hmm. to be mean to your family. Right. <laughs> Let alone a... Uh, murder them with a mallet jack couldn't it's a circling back to an argument we had can't believe i'm gonna bring this this book in the same conversation with (laughs) Dreamcatcher, but i am when we discussed that at the end yeah jonesy jonesy's a fucking psychopath because we find out that he all that was in his head to do it's the same thing with jack Mm -hmm. the the hotel I don't think the hotel could make him do anything he wasn't capable of. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And yes, he was clearly is capable of this, but without the situation, I don't think he ever would have done it. I think that's yeah. fair. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Fucking love this book, <laughs> man. This <laughs> so is so good. fun to talk about. So, Wendy also understands that it's Danny's shine that's fueling the hotel, similar to what I, I think it was Danny who had that thought earlier that without his power, the hotel ghosts really are probably just scary pictures, like Dick said. Mm. But he brings them to life, not intentionally. And if it absorbed Danny, then those things are reality, not just scary pictures. Earlier when we were talking about what, Josh, you were talking about, oh, what would happen if Danny's powers got in the wrong hands? And I don't know what Dr. Sleep is about. Is that what it's about? Don't tell me. Anyway, <laughs> but that's kind of what in my head I think a sequel to this would be about. Okay. But I don't know that it actually worked. We're not really given any definitive reason it would work that way. And also there's something at the end that makes me think the danger of the hotel is mm-hmm. only I about. what Jack and the living can do. I don't know that the hotel can get his power. It wants it. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. We'll oh, that's a fucking about. great. Imagine how pissed off you'd be if you were a sentient hotel. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to kill this kid and get all his powers. And then you kill that kid. And then that kid is in control of everything. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. That's fun. <laughs> Okay, so Wendy's plan is good, locking Jack in the pantry. He'll be safe in there. They'll be safe. Someone will come eventually. But the hotel is stronger than she realizes. And it was I don't know if this 
is a thing, or if I was just trying to make it as a thing, is when they were dragging him to the pantry, he drunkenly mumbles to them, to them mm. like basically how to defeat the hotel. Because he says, you have to use smoke, now run and get me that gas can. He's mm-hmm. you know caught up in the memory of, of the wasps. Because nest. the gas makes the wasps drunk. Yep. Uh, yep. And the, the, wa- <sighs> the hotel's a wasp nest. It's all wasps. So we are back with Danny. Wasps all the way down. It's three, in the <laughs> after- it's three in the afternoon, and they have been able to hear Jack ranting and raving in the pantry. And Danny's thinking about earlier when Daddy tried to hug Mommy too <laughs> tight. I hate it. I hate it. It's fucked up. About an hour later, they both fall asleep, and Danny wakes up when the screaming stops. And what he wakes up to is the fucking elevator running this is the worst thing in the world (laughs) (laughs) i love it i really do (laughs) so we find out why jack stopped screaming because we are with him in the pantry would one of you like to talk about what happens here this scene starts off so promising it's (laughs) as he's thinking to himself about how hard he really tried to reason with wendy before she overreacted <laughs> and led them to this situation. Well, and he, he has a moment where he's like, isn't the more important question, how did I get drunk? Shouldn't I focus on that? Because that's <laughs> fucked up. But then but then he hears the party going on without him. And that's that's unforgivable. It kills kills me when he starts to sympathize with his dad and we get the same oh. flashback oh no from his completely skewed perspective it sucks it's <laughs> i don't have better words for it yeah it sucks it's hard to read yeah it has the it expresses the thought well you know my dad had our fault to I, yeah to correct my she mother. She must have been making sly faces uh, behind his back. Yeah, she, she must have, must have been doing looked something. at him wrong yeah. and deserved it. So Grady shows up. He's like, damn, dude, you let your wife and your five-year-old kid lock you in here. Maybe we should be dealing with Wendy and not you. And <laughs> Jack is just doubling down. He recommits as hard as he can to the hotel. He's like, if I have to kill her, I have to kill her. Like that, I'm, I'm fine with that. And Grady <sighs> lets him out. What uh, I, I, have, I have two questions about mm-hmm. Grady. First, your take. What is your take on? We established very beginning. Grady didn't graduate high school, but he talks about him as his voice as well bred. Yeah, he's like for an un- uh, uneducated man, you sure talk good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if that was just if these if these ghosts have their own personalities or if it's the hotel if it's assigned to him that's yeah. the th- my take is that cuz it didn't send him to night school the ghosts <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that's what he implies he does imply <laughs> yeah he implies that that's a possibility yeah he's like they they the management <laughs> values education and it's yeah. like what like he's you went to community college is, yeah yeah is grady doing the rain in spain montage <laughs> oh, yeah oh happening? God. Um, and then I went, what did you guys think of uh, Grady's titters? <laughs> Sorry, I just the excuse word me. Titters got me. I was like, He's, <laughs> gentlemen, don't ask those kind of questions, Josh. Uh, that is my new word for boobs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's my favorite part of this conversation is like every time Jack responds with something like. In the affirmative, I'm taking action, Grady, like, he describes Grady titters on the other side. He just little, 
<laughs> like, that's how I imagine, like, he just hears this condescending little laugh on the other side, and it made me like Grady a lot. Well, my favorite part, I didn't notice that. What I noticed was that every time uh, Grady, maybe this was in the last scene, uh, last party scene, but several times, every time that he's talking to Grady, every time Grady does one of these little digs mm-hmm. at Jack, someone at the party laughs. Oh, yeah. They don't mention that it's laughing, at, but it's every time Jack is is like just poked at. It is. It gives the impression of all of the rich folk it's are watching. They're and all a hive mind. And also, see that Damn actually it. answers Damn my it. question. <laughs> All right, answers my uh, my answer to your first question, which is the reason that Grady is so well spoken is I don't think the ghosts are the actual people that died. Yeah. The ghosts are all the hotel. Damn, no night yep. school. They are they are just the shells yeah. that the hotel so takes. So it wouldn't get Danny's power. It might not get Danny's power, but it might become stronger if it's absorbing these yeah, that's people. True. I guess. So Jack gets out of the pantry and there's a martini waiting for him on the kitchen counter. Awesome. And while all of this is going on, Dick is still making his long, dangerous, horrific journey to the Overlook. And he nearly goes off the road. I don't. We don't have to talk about it necessarily. It was just a very well-written, tense very scary. scene for him. The one thing I would say about this is he meets the guy pl- driving a plow, Howard Cottrell, who mm-hmm. also shines. Yep. And he's like thinking about, I know things sometimes. <laughs> oh, I know you do. Yeah. I love that. And part of Halloran is thinking that's kind of fortunate, but also I've never run into this many people with a shine in one day. And I don't like how that makes me feel. Yeah. That's going to be, it's probably a bad sign. Yeah. So many dark omens for Halloran's fate. So he continues to make his way along after getting pulled back onto the road from the snowplow driver who gives him mittens. Gives him gloves. Yeah. So and then great. his wife, Nate, he's like, you better mail these back to me. And My I don't want to pay postage. <laughs> and tells him, hey, when you get to Sidewinder, go see this guy. He can give you a snowmobile. Tell him I sent you and he'll take care of you. And on, on the way there, though, Dick has another intrusive moment happen. This um, this actually makes more sense to be extremely horrible than the random dude on the road. Agreed. Because it's very specifically picking at Dick. And it is... Sorry, y'all. Oh, that was gross. Yeah, don't um, like that. You gotta sneak in a dick pic if you're going to do this episode. <laughs> and he almost goes off the road again. But fortunately, he wasn't on a stretch at that moment where that was super easy to do. And he's like... Wow, it probably was just hoping that I was, and I need to be really careful because as I get closer to it, it's going to get even more powerful. Meantime, Wendy hears Jack's promise to murder them, basically, and Danny is still asleep, and she's so freaked out that she, bad horror movie move, she has to go down to the pantry to make sure that Jack is still locked up tight. So, all right, guys, let's talk about this. Oh, my God. This now... Of all the ways I was expecting this scene to go, and for whatever was going to kick this off, the furthest thing from my mind, because they are constantly talking about that it's, you know, like 8 a.m., like it's very early in the day, that she's on her way and she hears the clock chime, and then it keeps going, Mm -hmm. and then it goes to 12, and we hear the unmask shouting, and that unmask shouting this time just feels 
it has the weight of a, a starting pistol mm-hmm. because it's fucking madness from here. Uh, do you just want me to read off her injuries? Yes, please. So she Jack attacks her in the lobby with the mallet. He hits her in the stomach with it. And she finally realizes, like, he's going to beat me to death. He hits her again, breaking several ribs. And then he hits her leg and then almost bashes her right in the head. But she moves in time and he catches part of her ear. She manages to get back up and finally stab him in the back with the kitchen knife. Handled deep oh, in his deep. back. And when Jack screams, it sounds like the hotel is screaming. So awesome. And Wendy then very painfully and agonizingly makes her way upstairs when she hears Jack on the steps just below her saying, you bitch, you killed me. Give me the bat, Marge. Give me the bat. (laughs) Question for you guys. Did she kill Jack? Is he a ghost right now? Stabbed him to the hilt. (laughs) I know. No, I actually think (laughs) there's something there. Because, yeah, she has she's like running. She's thinking, how the fuck is he doing this? I've killed him. I how are you not dead? Yeah. So I think there's a little something. I, to I think it later anyway. on it becomes clear he's still alive. But yeah. in that moment, I was like, that's he could be literal right now. Like she maybe she did. Uh, but so much like when Danny starts to get choked by the woman in room 217, we cut away from that. <laughs> to Dick, he finally makes it to Larry Durkin and Sidewinder, who trades him coats very kindly and gives him a ski mask and a snowmobile. And this is where we come to understand the Overlook does definitely have a reputation in Sidewinder because most of the, the staff employed there are residents of the town. And of course, people talk. And Larry knows that Howard, the snowplow guy, sometimes knows things. So he buys that Dick does too. And we should mention here, just because it was so well written, and I'm, I'm kind of like plowing through it, ah. <laughs> that Dick is nearly on the edge of a mental breakdown. And he's had to explain mm, yeah. to two people what he's doing. And they're they're so casual. They're like, ah, oh, nobody's up at the Overlook right now. Oh, no, the Torrance boy, he's fine. He's like, for the love of God, <laughs> I just need you to understand that this is serious. I wouldn't be here if I look at it outside. I wouldn't be doing this if I had a choice. So I, I was and they in don't, Florida with fucks yeah. wherever I could find them. <laughs> and now I'm here. I get it. I get how these guys are, though, because they know that by helping him, they're probably sending this guy just from the elements sure. out to his death. So they're like, mm. you are going to explain to me why I'm going to help sentence you to die, basically. Like, I don't want that responsibility on my shoulders. So when Dick starts off to the overlook from Sidewinder on, on the snowmobile, it is 710 and he can only go safely, you know, between 30, 45 miles per hour. And he wants to go faster. But he's like, I either get there not in time, possibly, or I don't get there at all. And I just have to do the best I can. And it's at this point that we're with Dick that Wendy and Danny are sleeping. So our time with Dick is sort of behind what we know is happening with Jack and Wendy. So there's still time. <laughs> do you guys have any moments from this this next chapter that you particularly enjoy. The tense nature of Dick's entire journey mm-hmm. is insane. And when he finally, the relief mm-hmm. that's described when he's like, I think I see it. <laughs> no, I don't see it. I definitely see it. Awesome. And he's getting close. And then suddenly there's a big fucking hedge lion just in his way. And he's going towards it and it bats him off the thing, knocking him like 10 feet through the sky. And then it proceeds to just play with him. Mm -hmm. It just knocks it. That thing could have killed him 
instantly. But no, just bats him around. It's brutal. It's I, I loved when he was before he meets the lion and he's still driving there and he's thinking every mile closer I get the hotel's effect on me gets stronger. And it's described as it's trying to get past his defenses to the, quote, soft meat inside, which is a horrible way to describe your mind. <laughs> it's so unnerving. But he defeats the hedge lion by lighting that sucker on fire Hell and yeah. himself. Yeah, and it was, he, <laughs> when he, he's like reaching for this old Zippo that he had from, since the army. And he's like worried that it's not going to work. And he's like, it's really, really tense. <laughs> and when he finally grabs it and he's sprayed gasoline all over this thing. And then he lights it. And the first thing it says is about his glove catching on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, and then he punches it in the fucking heart with yeah, this fire glove. <laughs> Uppercuts it like, uh, uh... Ryu. I was thinking of... Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, Sagat, which he, oh, he does the tiger knee. He that's, does. That's not even right. <laughs> Wendy and Jack are still chasing each other through the hotel like two very old people. Both of them are in bad shape. What? Not moving fast. What an insane thing this tense climb up the stairs and then just random ghost pops a party favor in her face and then it's gone. I love all of this. He screams the party isn't over in her face, which is a horrible thing to have happened to you. (laughs) What an insane thing amongst this insane battle for her life. All of the stuff, just the minor ghost encounters that Wendy and also Danny have later on are all so like, oh, oh no. Uh, <laughs> it's it, If this were a haunted house, it's very haunted house yes. is what yeah. I'm trying yeah, to yeah. say, I all guess. Right, I, and I love it. I want to go through and just list every neat description uh, of, of what she's experiencing. Be we here would, all night. Uh, and I already am like 20 minutes over what I promised. <laughs> so ba- basically... They have a very scary chase with her finally getting into the bathroom, which we have seen Dick have and Danny have visions of a woman bloody in the bathroom. So we don't like that she's in there. Jack is chasing after her, trying to get in, causing the scene that Danny, that Tony gave Danny in the very first part of the book mm-hmm. of the record player and everything being turned over. And, and catch that. <laughs> Fuck. That's awesome. So good. And, and Danny is not in the room and she realizes he must have heard Jack you know, beating her to death and hopefully he's hiding and Jack begins to beat on the door with the mallet. He's breaking through and she's, and then she's like, Fuck she's got this some shit. razors I'm yeah. razors and cutting you up. <laughs> Wendy's not going down without a fight. No, she is not. Fortunately for her though, as she's slashing at him and, and trying to fend him off, he hears the sound of a motor and like a wasp and, in the distance. He, and he knows that, you know, Wendy, he, he can get her when he needs to, but he's probably got to take care of whatever that noise is. I loved that Dick, like, because there are more, the hedge animals are all guarding it. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to plow the snowmobile <laughs> as far up to the front door yeah. as I possibly can. I'll drive can. this motherfucker into the front door <laughs> if I have to. I also like how uh, the sound of the snowmobile approaching is used to time yeah. multiple yeah. scenes. Yes. Uh, because we go to Danny's perspective and it jumps back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so we when we hear the the motor coming, we know where all of the other yes. characters are. It, it's very it's well really written. good. It, it, it adds to how tight this sequence of events mm-hmm. happens in real time. Mm-hmm. Even though we're jumping but we all around. Get to, yeah. But we get to take the luxury of having all the time inside these characters yeah, who are all so experiencing good. totally different levels <laughs> of horrifying shit. 
So he does manage to get inside safely, and he walks into a murder scene in progress, basically. And Jack is waiting for him. He was hiding in the elevator. Never hide in the elevator. (laughs) Creeps up behind him and hits him on the head and again in the face, shattering his cheekbone and most of his teeth on that side of his face. Then Jack's like, okay, I'm going to go to the third floor and find Danny. So we are with Danny now, but before these last few scenes... While he's sleeping, he's dreaming, and he finally gets to talk to Tony again. What did you guys think about this? I love it. The, oh, my God. It's so good. The, it, the As anyone that listens to the show regularly, I fucking love dream sequences. Mm-hmm. And the way I had to go back and be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> because when Tony shows up, it is at the end of this long hallway that doesn't exist. Danny describes it as, uh, uh, why is Tony showing up in this hall that does not exist in Mm. the real world or this dream world that he usually, Mm -hmm. I usually encounter him in. And I I can just visualize this. It's so clearly in my head, this just like enormous like cyclopean hallway where you can't see the ceiling and it's just dark and all the doors are unmarked and it's so un you know, like otherworldly what's, looking what's terrifying about that though tony tells him that he's deep down in himself mm-hmm. in an overlook where no one else can ever come no clocks work no doors have ever been open that he like uses the overlook as an example to describe Mm -hmm. him being deep down in himself after everything we've gone through in this hotel. I mean, I get it. It's like a a point of reference. This little kid has now, but it, it made, it made what is inside of Danny feel for the first time for me dangerous. Yeah. He, yeah, I didn't even think <laughs> Yeah, that, that just really Sorry. took me a second. Because you guys are so quiet. I thought, I, oh, no, I just didn't no, even I like just, that. I was just <laughs> sitting with that it. in. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Tony warns Danny that you have to hide and you are going to remember what your father forgot. What did you, what'd you guys think about Tony being Danny at 15? Because now this is the the first time oh, Danny yeah, is yeah. right up close to Tony, and he can like see his parents in this fifteen year old version of him and see himself in that. Mm-hmm. So what did uh, CM? What did you think about that reveal? Since this was your first time reading it, I not really anything. No, I get no. Is this a Doctor Sleep thing? No, it's just it's the f- okay. finding out that the spirit is fifteen guess, year old, the fifteen year old version. I of guess him I would have assumed that he hasn't. He can't know how he'll be at 15. I guess I would have assumed he'd see like an adult version, but I feel like to a five-year-old 15 is an yeah, adult. adult. Absolutely. Yeah, and also it's it works because King has such a way of of writing a teenager and, and tying you to the nostalgia of that. So for him to see himself and to be a teenager is just a very king, I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't really take it as this is literally him seeing himself at 15. It's just, I mean, maybe it is whatever, but it, it's just the reveal that like Tony isn't the su- a supernatural being. Mm-hmm. It is Danny. It's Danny. It's Danny's power, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. you know? So I, I don't know. I also didn't really 
think of it as much of a real reveal because of what the doctor in Sidewinder said. Because the doctor in Sidewinder told oh, us yeah. at the very beginning of the book, well, Tony isn't real. Tony is Danny. You get why his name is Tony, <laughs> right? And I didn't, but now we do. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it's a cool moment. But I, I, I didn't, King I wasn't didn't like, whoa. think that we'd go back and read, find where he, they say his full name and Anthony is his middle name. <laughs> yeah, he didn't expect that we'd have basic ability to remember things, <laughs> well, which I, I don't. clearly don't. <laughs> Danny comes to, to Jack going from like, hey, Danny, uh, man, I, I just have to give you a bit of a spanking. No big deal to screaming. Come here, you little shit. For, uh, CM. How'd that hit you in the audiobook? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do, do you listen to them? I did. Because it's... it is the only moment in the book where they put a digital effect on the voice when he goes from Danny just, come here, take your medicine like a big kid, and it'll be over. And then it's, uh, you know, and then his voice change, and they put this, like, demonic reverb of come here you little shit and it made me jump it's fucking scary i love it the audiobook is so good it's really good <laughs> on audible a bunch of the reviews of the audiobook are really bad <gasps> and people saying that they didn't like this Kim- narration Campbell scott yeah he's and my I favorite narr- like i could not disagree yeah. Yeah. to read a book ever yeah, i think it's excellent i, I don't know yeah. what those people were talking yeah, about yeah. Yeah. This next moment, though, is my favorite thing because it's just it's another one of those kind of impossible to imagine scenarios because he hears all this and then Jack turns the corner and Danny is relieved because he sees that's not my dad. That's something wearing my dad. Mm. And that's where I think the based on how the moment that slips back makes me firmly in the when Wendy has that conversation with him about that. That's not your dad. It really isn't at this point. It is. He's wearing a Jack suit. Oh, the overlook and a Jack mask. He is screaming some crazy shit at Danny, including that he cheated on his final exam Mm -hmm. and he's going to find proof in the basement. So is that what he's been after this whole time or is well, it's from his play. It's yeah. the, the I know, but yeah. is that like what has been drawing him to the basement, or is that just in his crazy I, mind right it's, now? It's that's all what ble- he's yeah, yeah. All, it's all bleeding excuses, together. Yeah. All, anything. The hotel is, in my opinion, at this moment, it is feeding him nonstop things that make you angry uh, to keep him over the edge, and that's just another one of those pieces of, of madness in him that uh, is driving his anger. Mm-hmm. This comment though triggers something in Danny. So he's telling this thing, "You're not my daddy." There's a little, he knows there's a little bit of Jack left inside this thing, and that part, he's like, "That part of my dad knows that you're lying to him too." And then Danny says the most badass, what could be like the best last words ever: "Go on and hit me, but you'll never get what you want from me." And something happens to Jack when he says those words. Yeah, that is the thing I've been alluding to, Mm -hmm. that Danny stops dodging. He stops running. And Jack is just, like, pounding the ground between his feet. And Danny says, like, you're the hotel, you're a liar, and you will never have what I have. Mm -hmm. 
And that made me go, oh, yeah, probably. It's, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make sense to me that it's a superpower that can be transferred to transferred. a hotel upon death. <laughs> I don't know. I'm oh. making up rules at this point. <laughs> I think we all are. But it just, I, I like that idea of like Danny is powerful enough that I, I don't think he would be overtaken so easily. Mm -hmm. I think the going back into, you know, it, the hotel's been feeding off of Danny, getting stronger this whole time. The biggest piece of evidence for how powerful it could grow mm -hmm. is when it nearly drives Dick off the road when he's still mm -hmm. miles and miles away. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a small example of how amplified. So even if it wouldn't get Danny, it might still get all that strength. So it's not, it wouldn't get exactly what it wanted. It's uh, renovating, get it's remodeling. With yes. Danny. <laughs> so Josh, since, you, since you've been a little more uh, compassionate towards Jack, do you want to describe what Jack does when Danny says these words to him? Oh God. This moment is so great because Danny puts all this out and he, it specifically says, although no physical change took place, suddenly his dad was back mm -hmm. at such an amazing moment that he can see. And it said, I I'm going to read this because I took, I wrote it down because it just fucked me up. His daddy was there looking at him in mortal agony and sorrow so great that Danny's heart flamed within his chest. Jack says, Doc, run away quick and remember how much I love you. And Danny doesn't run. He takes his father's <sighs> bloody hand kisses it and says, no, it's almost over. And then it cuts away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That moment is rough. What, what a, like, God, what a fucking beautiful moment. Just this five-year-old kid with all of the, this weight. Finally, like, I don't know the, the idea. It'll be that, his only closure. Yeah. It, instead of getting away, he's a, he's gonna, instead of running away from his dad, he's going to hold his dad's hand one last time while it's still his dad. It is very sweet. It is. It shows Danny's unbelievable amount of compassion. Mm -hmm. It is completely undeserved of Jack. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I agree that the point of the, the hotel taking over him at this point, yes, well, that switch is there. But remember how much I love you. Coming from a man who has hurt his child and who I believe if the hotel truly did take him over, it has been in the last literal 30 minutes of real time in yes. the story. Yes. Mm -hmm. And everything he did prior to that was all him. And him saying, oh, I'm suddenly aware of what I'm doing in this moment is not adequate I, I am sure the type of person that does this. And I mean, when it's the same thing, when he broke his arm, he also immediately said the same thing. Rem I, lo I love you. I would. It's, I, you're, I, you're seeing it as a manipulation of someone who's absolutely abusive, it being is. remorseful after. And absolutely. It it'll is. never happen again. But and the 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 trust and the love that Danny has is you want it to be heartwarming, but he's a five-year-old. And of course he is going to forgive his father who is actively trying to murder him. Yeah. Jack Torrance does not deserve, in, in his actions in this book, 
if things had gone differently, of course, if the hypothetical that we discussed <laughs> earlier that he went to a non-haunted hotel, I wish that version of Jack the best. Yeah. But the version of Jack that we get in this book is a bad man. And this small moment I found more heartbreaking than anything <laughs> that he made his child have to hold his bloody hand at it, for you, it was a manipulation. Yes. Oh, man. Gotcha. I, yeah, I disagree so hard. <laughs> oh, but that's like, I mean, that's the great thing about this book, though, yeah. is is all, all of these interpretations are fully valid. I firmly believe that last moment where he says this is the the fog clearing away in a way we've seen so many times. Jack is on death's door, if not a, a little too far dead. I believe that this is a final moment of clarity where he has. He, so, he, okay, here's here's I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but here's another aspect of because of what happens next. It, it's my favorite version of Jack. <laughs> Sam Raimi Jack. <laughs> because well, that, the, that's the last scene with Jack. The, yes, it is. <laughs> I agree with that wholeheartedly. But Jack's last action is to kill himself in front of his son. I don't think that's Jack's choice. I don't. I think. I think the hotel bashed Jack's face in. Okay, let's just. Jack starts dancing in the hallway. So I said, Sam Raimi, <laughs> yeah. bashing his own face in with the mallet, and it, it's. It kind of describes that it's about this Jack Overlook thing. And and from this point on, it is described in the book as the Jack Overlook thing. There's no separation. It's his unmasking. Yeah, Yeah. of course. It is. He's a it's about to turn the mallet on Danny. And that's when Danny figures out what Tony was warning him about. Yeah, he's been he's been partying all day (laughs) been chasing, beating the shit out of everybody. But he forgot to dump the boiler. The the suddenness that it clicks to Danny, I I love because it doesn't feel like the forced thing of the book being like. Danny suddenly heard like uh, it is just he's sitting there. And he goes, oh, yeah. well, and, and he had it had occurred to him moments before this the vision with Tony when he was running through this part of the hotel. He felt heat from the registers and he's like, oh, this must be the side of the hotel. Dad is heating today. <laughs> just a small detail yeah. in his running away. And then all comes together. Also, while all this was happening, we, we kind of stuck with Jack and Danny for a while. Wendy left the bathroom found Dick and has pulled him into consciousness and they are hearing Jack chasing Danny on the third floor. So we are now at the explosion. Danny, Wendy and Dick are are all together because Jack has taken off down the elevator. And there's a moment where oh. Dick sees the elevator going. He's like, man, I don't want to see what's in that. <laughs> because it sounds inhuman. Yes. Ah. It's human monsters, man. So cool. It's in human place creates human Human monsters, whatever. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. And Danny's like, we got to go. And Dick's like, we got to go. And Wendy's like, what's happening? And Dick (laughs) Dick can feel that it's already kind of too late. Like the explosion, they they don't hear it yet or anything. It is happening. Like you, Mm -hmm. dumping the boiler is not going to work. And they're going to do their best to run out of there, even though Wendy is broken. Danny runs and grabs some of their winter stuff because they were like in their pajamas. And they make their way downstairs and out of the hotel. Meanwhile, the Overlook is trying to dump the boiler, makes it to the basement and screams 
no, it won't be allowed. And these lines are written as delivered by the manager slash caretaker. So like mm-hmm. that is not Jack at all anymore. He hey he it, made it up through the ranks. He's now the manager. <laughs> Dump it dumps the boiler, screaming in triumph. But I, that, <laughs> that it's yelling, "We did it! We did it!" And then it turns into a scream of triumph, and and as the boiler explodes, yeah. fucking amazing. <laughs> Danny, Wendy, and Dick are thrown from the front porch in this explosion. Luckily, there's a like 20 miles of snow <laughs> to break their fall. And they're watching the hotel die. They're watching the hedge animals kind of lose their shit. The bunny beating its own My face God. against the fence was like fucking <sighs> madness. We get a, a very like just awesome blow by blow of each horrifying inch of the hotel that has tormented us and this family getting destroyed, which was such a cool moment. And oh, the thing that has stuck in my mind since yeah. sophomore year of high school when I first read this. The thing. <gasps> in the window? That flies away. Yeah! That uh, Dick is thrown across the yard, lands in the snow, and before even checking on Wendy and, and Danny, he flips over onto his back just to watch the place burn, Mm -hmm. which is so badass. (laughs) But also, as he's watching and it's exploding, he sees a window break and a black mass of something that he says looks like a a stingray or some kind of ray flying off into the night before dissipating. It's just bats, guys. <laughs> it's just bats. So the the three of them get up, gather their belongings, and uh, make it to the snowmobile, just barely. And Dick's like, okay, we gotta go to the equipment shed, because there's gonna be some blankets and stuff that we need, because we're gonna be on this thing for 40 miles. It's like 10 degrees out at most. And Wendy's in, like, her night clothes. Yes, barefoot. she has no shoes, yeah. Yep. And so they... Dick goes in to get supplies, and I thought we were safe. Oh, that's this the fucked best me up. This fucked me up, this. man. One of you, please take us through this moment. Dick is going in through the equipment shed because he's getting these blankets, and he glances at the rogue set, sees a mallet's missing, and is like, oh, God. And he goes over and he picks up one of the mallets, and as he's holding it, he's like, God, Wendy and Danny have been through so much. I should just bash their fucking heads in so they don't have to suffer anymore. Like hotel, one last swing. Because because he he remembers a moment with a wasp nest as a kid. Is it just like the men that can be possessed by the hotel? And does it do they have to have some sort of wasp trauma (laughs) in their background? We've all got a little wasp trauma. That's the real key. So nobody who (laughs) has had a run in with wasps and has a penis can go to the can go to the overlook. Yeah, um, Ullman's never been stung by a wasp. Uh, I, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't let himself <laughs> yeah, be stung by a wasp. That tracks. <laughs> so that he Dick come he comes back to himself. God damn it! Ben, don't look at me like that. <laughs> Dick awakens. No, there's nothing I can do. Dick rises forth from the ashes. Dick pops up. <laughs> there it is. That's Pop, the one. He pops out of the shed. Yep, and. They get on the snowmobile and they are about 20 miles from Sidewinder when the cavalry arrives, drawn presumably by the explosion. That shit was great. I was so happy they didn't have to go the whole way. It was, thank you, book, for not 
continuing mm. to torture me. Yeah, thank you, Book, for not <laughs> giving us the end of the stand. <laughs> Another <laughs> 70 pages. <laughs> Guys, like, before we get to the epilogue, I just want to say, thank God Jack is bad at everything he does. <laughs> Otherwise, the hotel might have survived. Is that too harsh? No, that's great. No. <laughs> All right, let's 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 talk about the epilogue. It is wild. Uh, I, I do not, I don't know that if this was a later King book that we would have had so many surviving protagonists. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Because this. We get a happy ending. This kind is of. like yeah. pretty much. I mean, yes, they both have um unbelievable trauma. That Wendy's back was broken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wendy is like limping and still very much obviously in pain, but other like it is the closest thing to a happy ending that we get in a King book. Dick has uh, taken up residence as the cook at this resort in Maine. And when he got the job, as soon as he got it, he booked a cabin, goes down to visit them. And uh, Danny is fishing and he's talking to Wendy, who's reading and she's in her back brace and we find out that the life insurance that Jack had paid out and got them taken care of and set up in a new place. Al Shockley got her, uh, has gotten her a few jobs and is is looking out for her. I, I kind of liked that Al Shockley bit because she's, yeah. she hasn't had good feelings toward him because of what he and Jack got into together. Very understandably. Yeah. And I just liked that she, she's not suffering pride like Jack was. She's like, yep, he's, you know, going to give me a hand here and I'm going to take it and we're going to be fine. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, they're moving to Maryland, but they're going to stay in contact and still come visit Dick, which is great. And then he, uh, Dick goes down to sit with Danny, who is, I mean, he's missing his dad. Yeah. He's he's grieving. I do like that he's like, oh, man, Dick's pretty old. Like, you're not going to die soon, <laughs> are you, Dick? <laughs> it is a really sweet way, yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it, there's just, it, we end with this moment where the three of them are on the dock mm-hmm. and there's just a sense of peace and, and the healing gets to continue. He does warn Danny, though, the world doesn't like people like us, mm-hmm. people who can shine. And so you have to protect yourself and be careful. You guys, I'm so excited that we get to finally, I've, I've been wanting to rate this mm-hmm. book every episode. <laughs> Who would like to go first? Uh, why don't I? Because, you should go first. Yeah, I feel like you guys will have a lot more awesome, eloquent, and graceful <laughs> things to say. And I'm just going to say, and I think I already mentioned this somewhere on something before about this book. The first couple pages made me call into question my entire rating system because I'm I'm going to give this high rating and it's going to mean nothing. <laughs> everything you finally, it's taking you it's four finally, years. Yes. It's this, come home to roost. So there's no way for me to explain how this book is above and beyond in quality and storytelling and, and captivating my mind and my heart. It is one of my new favorite Stephen King books. I'm amazed by how much I love it, how every sentence was a joy to read. It was so beautifully constructed. Five out of five blue chambray shirts. Not a single problem in this book. I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, and as CM's scale has proven, I agree with her. Uh, it, Shining is just as good as Cell, according to CM's ratings. I, 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 I want to make sure that's all. Very that's upset been recorded. that you clarified. Yeah. That. <laughs> 
Uh, it's, it's so amazing. I can't believe when I read it, it was one of those books that I was mad at myself for not reading uh, earlier mm-hmm. because it's, it's perfect. It's wonderful. I will probably revisit this much sooner than I will a lot of the books we've covered. It's mm. five out of five blue chambray shirts. I remember reading this in, in high school and liking it. I, I, I don't know what it is about being older that has so changed my view on this book. I, I, <laughs> it's okay, Ben. I, it's so good. <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. It, it is unreal. Uh, it, I, I have texted both of you multiple times throughout reading this book mm-hmm. that, oh, so this is my favorite King book <laughs> yeah. And it, without a doubt, I don't know that it will stay there. Uh, everyone knows if you're a King fan, your top five will change sometimes day to day. But um, <laughs> it, it is definitely right now mm-hmm. I number one. Um, I'm going to be recommending everyone reading the read The Shining, which is going to be annoying because it's The <laughs> Shining, and of course yeah. I'm going to be talking about you should read The Shining. Hot take. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Five out of five blue chambray shirts with a goddamn bullet, y'all. It's Mm -hmm. so good. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be watching the film The Shining. Hell yeah. For Benjamin Graham and Sam Alexander, this is Joshua Kahn reminding you, living by your wits is always knowing where the wasps are. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Shining Part 3. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. You can also send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. And if you are enjoying our coverage of The Shining, please take a moment, if you haven't already, to rate and review us. Helps move us up in the charts, and it's really how new people find us. Don't forget to head on over to our Patreon page for bonus episodes and our Etsy page for merchandise. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.